Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. This edition of How to Be a CEO is brought to you by the AXA Startup Angel Competition. I'm Sharmadine Reed, founder and CEO of The Stack World, and I'm here to help you turn your business dream into reality. There are six chances to win the competition, including two top prizes of £25,000, mentoring from myself and leading UK founders, plus business insurance for a year, thanks to AXA. Go to standard.co.uk forward slash AXA Startup Angel for details on how to enter and complete your entry by the 2nd of June, 2024. Good luck. ES Audio. Marketing, it's an art, not a science. Who can tell what's going to be a classic line and what isn't? Ask the guy who came up with Audi's Volsprung durch Technik. And by the way, the research on that said don't do it. Really? Um, yeah, they researched it because obviously they were concerned and the research came back and said, no, don't do it. Sir John Haggerty's been in advertising since the 60s, the era of the Mad Men TV show. He founded Bartle, Bogle and Haggerty, who came up with some of the most influential campaigns of all time. The Levi Laundrette ad, the Lynx effect, Flat Eric, all from BBH. He's been at the top of the game throughout changes in society and technology. And in 2014, he co-founded The Garage Soho, an early stage investor and brand builder for daring entrepreneurs. Don't start a business, create a movement. So you look at Apple, the movement, you know, you look at any great product, in a sense, it was us against them. I'm David Marlson from the Evening Standard. We all know marketing's essential, but incredibly difficult. It's not just the idea, it's how do you get people to notice. In an age of ad blockers, subscriptions promising commercial-free access, even skip 10 seconds buttons on your podcast player, not that any of you would use them. We are in an age where avoiding adverts is encouraged. So when we meet John, I want to know, how do you still get your message out? Well, the first thing to say is people have always tried to skip ads. This isn't something new. You know, we, we, we always kind of talk about these things as though it suddenly happened. I mean, you know, I went into advertising. I didn't like advertising. I thought most advertising was boring, insulting, banal. Um, and I tried to skip it, miss it all the time, you know. So this isn't something new. The problem that we've got is that we think the solution to this is more technology, not more creativity. The mm. solution to this is more creativity. The problem that we have is that the industry are not responding to this need in the sense of making more intriguing, interesting, distinctive, funny ads that people want to see. And when they do that, people actually watch it. It's always been about that creativity side, though, isn't it? Because technology changes and the way that we approach people change. But a good idea always breaks through. Well, exactly. I mean, the whole point about communication is it's based on an idea. Nothing happens without an idea. Um, and technology isn't an idea. Technology is technology. You don't, you know, say if you're a musician, oh, I've got a guitar. You go, I've got a guitar and I'm going to play this song on it or I'm going to play this tune on it. That's the idea. And um, we, we've sort of got into this world because of, we've been 
baffled by all this about AI and, you know, algorithms and all that all sound fantastic, don't they? That somehow we've dispensed with the need to have a great idea. You know, I always say principles remain, practices change. The principles of advertising, the principles of communication remain exactly as they are and were forever. Same with entertainment. The principles remain the same for Shakespeare as they do for whoever's making something for Netflix today, you know, except the technology, of course, and how you deliver it has changed. But technology can be extremely useful. These days, advertisers potentially know a huge amount about their audiences and their individuals as well. Surely that's the sort of thing that people can use to maybe help with creativity. Oh, I'm, don't get me wrong. I mean, I think technology is fantastically fantastic. I mean, without technology creativity would be sort of in a cul-de-sac. I mean, technology is fundamentally important. It's the handmaiden to creativity. But whatever you do, whatever you're doing, and of course we have data, we have all those kinds of things. But, you know, I constantly say, you know, one of the oldest stories we know, uh, the nativity came about because of data collection. You know, they had gone to Nazareth to register for the uh, for the election for the for the you know whatever it was data has always been there but it's how you use the data that is crucial and people forget that in a way everybody's going to have access to the data mm. and then what do you do we've all got access to the data now and in fact if anything you know 20 30 years ago large organizations could own the data and not have other people own it. So it became hard for smaller companies to get hold of that data. Today, the data is available to everybody. Now, how do you use it? What are you going to do with it? That is the question I was about to ask you. How do you use it, John? Well, you'd use it with, with coming up with ideas that captivate people. But, you know, again, you know, I spent my life kind of in advertising with people saying, I've got some research that proves this and I've got research that proves that. And then all of a sudden, somebody comes up with something that nobody ever expected. And suddenly, we've got something different. And people are intrigued by difference. Yet when it comes to commissioning it and doing it, we're hesitant about difference. We want to follow what other people have done because we want to be you know, sure that it's going to work. Well, all that's going to happen is you're just going to look like everybody else. What's the first step if you're creating a startup then and you want to get out there and you need people to see you that's obviously one of the most important things i've started a company now i have to tell everybody about it it's a massive question i'm you know people have made a lot of money out of this question how do you do it where do you start well the first thing you start is what's the problem you're solving so what's your idea as a business so what am i doing that's going to solve a problem um, and most people don't really ask that question. So once you've asked that question, then you go, is it significant? Is it something that I really do care about? Or is it I'm not that bothered? And then you've got to design and, and manufacture or create or whatever you do, whatever it's a service, a product or whatever, in such a way that it captures people's imagination. How do you describe it? What do you stand for? How are you going to PR it? Because PR is going to be very good for you. Social media to start with is very, very good to use, is to sort of capture people's attention. Basic principles remain the same. Again, I go back to that quote. But really, people don't ask enough about what problem am I solving here? Mm -hmm. Then you go, oh, I want one of those. 
And it's yeah. very difficult because people sit back and think, well, we've solved everything. Well, we haven't. Look at the development of the iPhone. We didn't know we wanted an iPhone until Apple came along and said, here's a new way of looking at a, a, a mobile device. The second thing is create a culture around that that's really interesting. If you look at the great companies from the word go, they had a culture around what they believed in. It wasn't just a product. They were trying to create a movement. A brand moves from just being a brand to a movement. And then once you've done that, articulate it in a way which is, well, that sounds exciting. I want to be a part of that. Um, and then the phrase they always use in, in um the investor world is enough runway for the product to take off because often great products, great ideas fail, not because they're not great products, is they just don't have enough investment to get them up off the ground. And those are the things that usually go wrong for a product. Talking about investment there, you know, we're, we're in some economically difficult times. And of course, famously, everybody always pulls back on the marketing budget first. I'd imagine, John, that you'd be a, one of those who would defend that. Well, I would. And there's empirical evidence to show that those that don't do that gain market share. Because, you know, just like when you're, you know, when people say, when do you buy stocks and shares? You know, they say, buy when it's low, sell when it's high. So it's the same principle in a way. All of a sudden, everybody's retracting, but people are still buying out there. So now your message will be easier to hear because fewer people will be advertising. You're saying something that's hopefully interesting. If you're not, then you know create another message. Uh, and you'll be able to buy more airtime because you'll be able to negotiate cheaper rates. So those people that understand that you have to go on promoting to succeed are the ones that really do in the end succeed. And as I say, there's empirical evidence to show that this is what works. Then I know that there's no magic bullet for creativity, but you've worked on some extraordinary advertising campaigns, the Levi ads, for example, Volsprung de Technik with Audi and that kind of thing. When you put something together, do you absolutely know that's the one we're going to go with? I mean, something like that Audi tagline, that, that's completely left field, isn't it? We're, we're going to use a foreign language across all of these markets. That's definitely going to work. I mean, the first thing to say is we're all creative, but some of us have an ability to do it better than others. Um, mm. And you can train that and you can get better and better and better. And it's a sensitivity to what's around you, what's interesting, what's fascinating. And if you're good at that, then you're going to succeed. You know, and all the data in the world isn't going to do the job for you. It's like, you know, why did Picasso become a famous artist? Because somehow he had the ability to capture on canvas a way of thinking and looking that people admired, you know, and that's the ability of a creative person. There are hundreds of other artists who didn't. And it's an indefinable, undefinable, indefinable, I'm not quite sure which is that, but it is, <laughs> aspect to your creativity that gives you that little insight that you've developed, you've nurtured, you've fed, that makes you go, that's interesting. And by the way, the research on that said, don't do it. Really? Um, yeah, they researched it because obviously they were concerned. Um, and the research came back, said, no, don't do it. And fortunately, we had two wonderful clients at Audi at the time, Brian Bowler and Johnny Mazaris. And they said, but we are a German company. So, you know, why shouldn't we tell people we're German? We spoke about Audi there. You mentioned Apple, who are also famous for a lot of their marketing and advertising. We talked about culture there. Is there an element of, of a culture of creativity within a company 
that allows it to do those things, that allows it to ignore the, 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 the marketing research? And should people be developing that within their own companies? Well, it's a really good question, David, because I, and I think in a funny way, that is the ultimate question. I think the first thing to accept is businesses are creative constructs, mm. you know, because you have to have an idea, you have to define it, you have to design it, you have to mold it, you have to present it, you have to name it. You have to, All those things are creative in the sense of imagination. You're using your imagination. And then what seems to happen is companies do all that. And then when they come to promoting their product, they become very conservative in it. And therefore, mm. they don't stand out. So they make the big leap to actually get this up and off the ground. And then when they get it off the ground, they become very conservative. The great companies don't. I mean, read the book about Steve Jobs. Listen to James Dyson talking about what he did. You know, whether you like Elon Musk or not, you have to admire what he's done. And, and it was daring. And it was like, you know, he put all his money on it. I mean, you know, Rupert Murdoch is not a man I particularly admire, but there was a wonderful documentary on the BBC about him starting Sky. And he bet the house on it. He bet everything that this was going to work, even though he was told the technology by other people was inferior. And would people buy into satellite television? Two things, but he bet on it. So continuing to be daring, continuing to be imaginative is fundamentally important. And the trouble is most companies get up off the ground, then they become frightened by their success. Um, and, and then they, they become, they're like rabbits in the headlights of an oncoming car. And of course, the oncoming car eventually runs them over. I've always thought that Sky is very interesting because I'm, I'm just about old enough, well, I'm quite a bit past it, to remember when Sky launched alongside BSB at the time. There was a whole thing about Britain's not going to do that. Britain's not going to go yeah. the US way. And then those companies held their ground and said, no, this is new technology. People don't realise, I guess, like the iPod that this is what they actually want. And so it, there's, yeah. is there an element of being brave? Is there an element of just trusting your own idea? I think you've got to be both brave and trusting your own idea. And of course, you know, you then go with it, you know, in, into that creeps arrogance um, and hubris and all of those things that can destroy you. But the problem again is, that, as somebody once said, there are no facts on the future. Uh, despite the fact that people are trying to tell you that they can predict the future. I always think that's rather wonderful. Somebody said, I can predict the future. Oh, really? How marvellous. So can you tell me who's going to win at Ascot, you know, in the 3.30 tomorrow? They can never do that, can they? But, you know, you have to sort of, it, it's a combination of verve and daring and, you know, courage. The thing to do is, is it interesting? Ask yourself that. Is it interesting? Is what I'm doing interesting? Or am I just, you know, making a pair of shoelaces that don't come undone? I don't know. Maybe that is interesting. You know? <laughs> I think the other thing, too, about great business people is they're showmen. And I use the word showmen, but, you know, show women, show women. I think there's an element of that. They want to take the stage and they want to, they, they've got this passion about changing things uh, and belief in something. It's not just a business. Yeah. It's, as I say, I go back to my thing of don't start a business, create a movement. So you look at Apple, a movement. You know, you look at any great product. In a sense, it was us against them. You know, when Virgin launched Virgin Airlines, it was Virgin against BA, big, yeah. stodgy, 
this airline's not going to be like that. We're going to change the way people fly. It's going to be for different people. It's going to have, you know, it's going to be fun. Why do you do that? We can do it. So it changed perceptions of something. And I think that's what you've got to do. Do you know what would be really interesting to go to right now? An actual ad break. Don't skip over it. Have a listen. See what works. And while you're doing that, hit the follow button on your podcast provider and never miss an episode of How to Be a CEO. That's called a call to action and it's a key performance indicator for a campaign. So please hit the button. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. When you're creating that movement, though, I mean, you mentioned Elon Musk earlier on. He has a community based around him, doesn't he? And, and I can think of, of, of others. I can think of politicians who have created communities based around them. Is that a new thing, though? Have we always had that? Have we always had people uh, creating followers effectively who will follow them to whatever they do? They'll go from PayPal to Tesla to SpaceX, for example. They're interested in what you're doing. Yeah, I think it's always been there. You, 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 you read about Thomas Edison in, in the States, and he was a, a great showman, and he understood, I've got to convince people about this. And, and Alexander Bell and these people were all great showmen who were out to change the world. And in a way, that's what you've got to be. Funny enough, I joked about shoelaces that don't come undone. You, you know, you could actually create a company around shoelaces that don't come undone. And, and you, but you, you, you look at it and say, this is really important. Stop tripping over. You know, <laughs> it's doing more than just a pair of shoelaces. I mean, great brands are doing more than just being a kind of brand solving that problem. Of course, that's where they start. And that's what I said when I said, what problem are you solving? And then how do you turn that into something? which goes beyond, you know, like Patagonia. Look what they've just done. They make jackets to keep you warm. Very good. That's very essential if you're out hiking and, you know, doing all those things. But they've now turned their company into an amazing movement. And mm. people will follow that. You know, Nike believed in more than just making a running shoe, a better running shoe. They believed in the emancipation of you. Just do it. Just go mm. out and do what you want to do was a call to arms. It was a call to action. You know, Apple, think different, was a call to action. It wasn't just buy this computer versus that one, but that's what they were selling you. 
I mean, Dell was selling computers, but they weren't telling you to think different. Nike is a company that's never been afraid of controversy either. Can controversy work for a brand? I mean, I'd imagine a lot of businesses want to stay away from that sort of thing to make a political statement, as Nike have done several times. Is that a good place to be in? It seems very high, high risk at times. It depends where the controversy is coming from. If you're doing it with integrity, if you're doing it with fundamental belief, then yes, court controversy if you have to. I mean, I don't think you go out and court controversy for the sake of it. You do it because you're trying to make a point and it might be upsetting some people, which you most certainly will do. You know, that's the point about a brand. You can't please everyone. You've got to decide who are your core audience, what do they believe in, what do I believe in, how am I leading them? And hopefully you have a, a, a set of beliefs that more and more people want to join into. I mean, but you look at it coming completely unstuck when Pepsi tried to adopt the Black Lives Movement and, and was selling you a Pepsi with somebody pretending that this was all about saving black lives and basically it's a, a can of Pepsi. And that was, you know, had no substance to it, no integrity about it. It was cynical adoption of a, a movement. And it came hugely unstuck, uh, quite rightly so too. Patagonia, we've mentioned them already, have got up and said, I'm giving all my company to the shareholders. Now the major shareholder is the earth, because we're going to make sure everything we produce doesn't harm the earth. You know, that's going to probably upset some people, you know, because they say, why am I paying for that? And they go, well, fine, don't, don't buy it. That's quite interesting, actually. So you've got one company that's trying to adopt a movement or move into one and another that, to be fair, from its very beginning had always led. It's, diff it's, it's a dangerous place then for companies to go, that's doing well. I'm going to try and grab a, a piece of that. Yeah, I think it's really, really cynical. It really upsets me. And I see, I see it in advertising communication all the time where suddenly it's the Me Too movement or Black Lives Matter. All these things yeah. are fundamentally important. But, you know, I, I kind of say, fuck off, you're making toothpaste. Make toothpaste in a way which doesn't harm the environment, is good for my teeth. I can recycle the tube. Do that. Do your job properly. Uh, don't start, you know, pretending that if I'm using some toothpaste, it's going to make Black Lives Matter better. I mean, it's just, it, it's, it's lazy marketing. It's just adopt somebody else's cause. And, uh, yeah. Um, I I want to talk to you about what you're doing now with the Garage Soho, but before, quite, before we get there, let's have a, a little chat about how you got to this position where you're in, Sir John Hagerty. Was there a moment when it kind of all fell into place for you? Was there a breakthrough time? Well, I went to art school. From art school, I went to design school because when I was at art school, I had a very, very good teacher. And Peter said to me, John, you know, I don't think you're going to be the next Picasso, but you love having ideas. You should think about doing graphic design. I went to do graphic design. And whilst I was doing graphic design, I met another wonderful teacher called John Gillard. And we were talking about ideas. And I loved having ideas. I loved the problem of a blank page. And John said, you should be looking at the work coming out of New York. Um, this is like 1964. Um, from Dordo and Birnbeck and agencies like that. That's what I think you should be doing, John, not pure graphic design. And when he showed it to me, it was like a light bulb moment. And there I was looking at advertising, which I hadn't really thought about before. And it was witty, it was smart, it was clever, but it was also inclusive. That was the brilliant thing about it. And I thought, wow, that's what I want to do. So that for me was my light bulb moment. 
Then I got a portfolio together of advertising and then got a job in advertising. But of course, being a design school then was, you know, if you said you were going into advertising, it was like, you know, Diablo had just walked into the room. You know, it was like, <laughs> it was like despite the fact that they were all studying packaging design and, you know, all of that stuff I loved, but I liked, well, I used to say, so what's the idea? And of course, designers would often look at me going, what do you mean, John, idea? And I'd say, well, you've got to have an idea. And that's what fascinated me. You know, the problem of a blank page. I love that. I enjoyed that. What are you going to make? What are you going to do? The idea now is the Garage Soho. Can you explain to me what that is, what that project is? Well, the Garage Soho is um, uh, what we call an early stage investment company. It helps um, young businesses get up off the ground, finding them finance, but also giving them guidance, getting them to understand that whatever idea they've had, whatever technology they've employed, somebody will copy you. What they can't do is copy the brand. So you must invest in the brand. Uh, it's not just a product, it's a brand and all the things that we've been talking about. Now, some get that, some don't. We try and encourage them to, to invest in that because that's what's going to sustain them over the long term. From that, we've now created this new um, uh, idea called the business of creativity. And it's a series of lectures I give to large organizations it's online. It's an online course, getting businesses to understand how to engage with creativity. But there's a great quote from McKinsey, which says, those businesses that engage positively with creativity create better returns for their shareholders. And again, going back to what we were talking about, making people understand that a business is a creative construct and that creativity isn't something that you occasionally turn to, but it is energy that drives a business, you know, how you get going, innovation, how you use your people, how you get more out of them, how you're seen, how you communicate. All of these things are employing creativity. Understanding it is fundamentally important. And you're investing in those other companies, like, like you said. So if someone was listening to this and thinking, my company could fit for this, how, what's the first stage for them? How would they get involved? It's a very small world, the investor world. Really. So people would say, well, you're not right for us, but you should go and see the garage because we what we call early stage. Literally, you know, you're getting up off the ground. We help you do that because we want to get in very early on so we can help you guide you, mold the product. And then from that, you know, you come and see us if we like you. We look to see how we can raise money for you. We had a fund. It's all used at the moment. It's allocated at the moment. But we then go to other investors and say, we've got this great idea. We're going to be helping them, managing them, would you invest? And we get them money to drive their business, but also guide them then in how they present themselves and help them with that, because a lot of them don't know. I mean, it's it's quite amazing sometimes. People come into you and they've done a business plan, and you say to them, it's very good, really good business plan. Where's the bit for marketing? Oh, well, I was going to do a bit of social and do a bit. But no, 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 but you've got to have an amount of money because – I can't buy something I've never heard of. Who walks into a meeting with someone of your stature inside marketing without having a marketing budget? <laughs> that would that would be a bit of a red flag for me. <laughs> yeah, it would be. But you'd be surprised. You'd be surprised how many just don't do it. So we try and explain to them what they've got to do and how they've got to restructure their finances. You've got to have that because if you know if you haven't got that, no, nobody knows about you. How do I buy it? So getting them to understand that, because people don't think about it. I mean, entrepreneurs get so excited about their product and they think it's 
the greatest thing since sliced bread and it's going to change the world. And of course you hope it is, but you say to them, the chances of that are limited. You've got to create the opportunities to make that happen. And that takes time, thought, it takes creativity, it takes innovation, it takes all of those things, imagination that you need. That was Sir John Hegarty. For more interviews, news and analysis, go to standard.co.uk forward slash business. New episodes of How to Be a CEO drop every Monday morning. So start your week with us. I'll see you then. Music